I can't speak. I fucked that whole thing up. Wait. <laughs> you gonna do it again? Yes, because we're not driving into the murder. Welcome to Mr. Radical, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. So grab a box of jelly donuts and a cup of coffee as we dive into the murder of Hazel Drew. How are you today? I'm good. You got all your stuff done from yesterday? Yeah, for the most part. I have a couple things left to do today. I have to find shoes for the wedding. Buying dress shoes. <laughs> It's annoying. I hate buying dress shoes, especially because they're so uncomfortable. Because um, you have to like break them in when they're yeah, nice ones. Yeah. And like normally I get dress shoes like last minute, like right before I go to a wedding. So I always end up leaving the wedding with blisters or something. Oh, no. I don't have time to break them in. Well, you have all week, so you should wear them. And it's, so, yeah, <laughs> I know. House. And it's so rare that I dress up, like that I actually dress up. So I, I have dress shoes and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to wear these again. And I'll get rid of them or I'll like, I'll donate them, you know? Um, but then, then I am. Them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I blame my husband because he's always saying that I'm a hoarder and he like tries to get me to get rid of things. Like oh. if I'm not going to use it. And so if I don't use something for six months, I'm like, oh, I'll never use this again. Which is, that's healthy. That it's is healthy. what you should do. It just sounds like you should hold on to at least one pair of dress shoes. <laughs> well, like I have two right now, but they just won't go with the outfit. That oh. I have out. What are you going to wear? It's so I have chinos. They're like skinny chinos. Um, and then I have like a white, it's in Florida. So mm -hmm. I have a white button down short sleeve shirt. And then I have a tie that I ordered that has, it's black. And then it has like black skulls all over it. Oh, cute. Because it's a Halloween wedding. So I'm really excited about it. That's I can't fun. wait to go. Um, the only shitty thing is that it's Corona. And so I have to fly from LA to Florida and there's no direct flights to Sarasota. So I'm flying to Chicago and then from Chicago to Sarasota. So I leave here at like 9 a.m. and I get into Sarasota at 9.40 p.m. Eastern time. So that's 6.30 p.m. our time. Yeah. So I have to go from nine to six without eating. Oh, because you can't. Because I can't eat on the flight. I can't, they like. Yeah, because they don't allow you to. Yeah. I didn't think of that because I'm going to have to do uh, that too. Because that's typically, that's my flight home. I go from LAX and I usually, because Maine has a really, really small airport. So I always have a connection and it's either Philly or Charlotte, maybe Atlanta. That's how my hometown and is. Like, I've only done Chicago like twice and like DC yeah. a couple times, but it is a long ass day. Yeah. That's how my hometown is. I even I was looking at Thanksgiving because my dad has all these frequent flyers that he's like not using. And I was like, hey, can you fly me to Utah for Thanksgiving? Yeah. It's like a $200 ticket. But the flight, the airline that he has the flyers for to get to Utah is a nine hour day because it has a connection. And I but was it's like, like, you can drive in that time, can't you? Yes, <laughs> I could drive. I think we got there in like eight hours one time. That's ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I could drive, but I'm only going for like four days. That's annoying. 
That like so whenever COVID started, I thought about doing that because I have the dogs and the dogs can't like fly. So I was like, well, I could drive back home, but then I would have to like drive back out by myself and it would just be frustrating and annoying. And that's far. Houston's far. Yeah, it was um it took us I wanna say about twenty hours to get out here. Yep. It wasn't horrible, but I drove. It took me four days because it's fifty something hours and we were racing snowstorms yeah that were following us so we had to like book it and we had to take the long way which brought us down to uh, because we went south it would have been quicker if we cut over like through illinois and stuff but because it was the middle of winter during a lovely thing called snowpocalypse so we went through dallas and we were like what's five more hours let's just nip over to austin and then that's where we spent the night but it was just we would switch it was me and my brother i would drive and then if i started falling asleep we'd be like switch my sister and i so when i was probably 19 i was like i'm gonna move to florida i was gonna move to fort lauderdale so my i like went i bought a new car for the trip and my sister was flying up from Houston to drive down with me. Like we were going to bond and stuff. Yeah. So the day we were getting ready to leave, she falls down my aunt's stairs and like does something to her knee. Ouch. Um, and we're like, I was like, oh, it's probably just a sprain, Jamie. You're fine. So like we get into the, our car and my new car, remember, mm-hmm. and I drove all 18 hours because she refused to drive. So I drove it all by myself was just like really tired and stressed out because like I pulled into like a rest stop off I-95 to like sleep for a minute and I heard on the radio it was like that someone in the local area was like uh like doing something into people's cars like at rest stops like they were murdering them or like harassing people or like all this stuff and I was like I'm not I'm not ready to deal with that either I'd rather (laughs) be tired (laughs) my chances on the road so like I got back on the road and I drove the rest of the way to Florida and then once we got to Florida um the apartment that I had lined up turned out to be a scam because this was like early 2000s so you couldn't really like guarantee anything yeah Um, so that turned out to be a scam and then like so I was stressed out about that and trying to find us a hotel room and stuff. And so I was like, Jamie, can you just drive for a minute? So Jamie gets in the driver's seat and drives my car and immediately wrecks it. <laughs> she rear-ended somebody. Um, of course, it was their fault, but we got the ticket. So we got a ticket that day too, but it was just Jamie that got the ticket. So she never paid the ticket. And she, I don't, I'm pretty <laughs> sure she's not allowed back in Florida. <laughs> I mean, that's not the worst. But. Yeah. So I ended up turning around and driving all the way back home. Oh, and my God. Home for like another year before I moved to Houston. But yeah. Oh, God. It was that, that was the universe going, why are you trying to move not to Florida? Florida. <laughs> not Florida. Dude. Go back home. Try again. We're almost going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> that was like North or South Carolina, I think, that I stopped. And that's oh, where like. damn. So then. But as punishment, okay, so to finish the story. That wasn't enough punishment. (laughs) Jamie wrecks my car, right? And so, like, we go, we find a hotel. My dad hooks us up with a hotel, or someone did. I don't remember who. And we get out, and um, 
like sleep obviously like slept hard that day. yeah I bet and then the next morning I was like Jamie like let's do a little sightseeing a little shopping before we head back so I Might made as her well have made the trip for yeah and remember her knee is is injured and yeah. I'm still saying it's a sprain <laughs> so we pull up to the beach we get out we like collected some sand and some water for my older sister um and then like we walked around the beach a little bit and then I was like let's go shopping so like we went shopping for a bit I made Jamie walk all over the thing so then we like get back in the car we drive back home we get back and everything uh and come to find out she had torn her ACL and I was walk around I was making her walk all the way around. Yeah. And she was like complaining and I was like, Jamie, just come on, walk it off. Like get over it. Like I didn't believe that it was anything like serious. It's I always explain to my students, like, so when you do jumps in ballet or in any in okay, PSA, if you're jumping, make sure you do to your heel. Like your mm-hmm. heel has to hit the ground. And in ballet or dance, you do toe ball heel because you also have to be silent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I get mad whenever they don't touch their heels because I'm like, you could pull your Achilles. Yeah. They're always like, what's an Achilles? Now they all know. But I was like, cool. So when you pull a muscle, your muscle goes apart and then it will like do this and do the coolest science thing ever and like mend itself and like be a little tighter and then you got to restretch it whatever and I was like but if you pull your Achilles it just goes Bleh. yeah <laughs> it just sits like that <laughs> and it doesn't go back and they're like how do you fix it and I was like surgery tendons are no joke no. especially your ACL that one's huge yeah poor Jamie it also always makes me think of pet cemetery when the little boy does the he like yeah. clips her Achilles that mm-hmm. makes my ankles like itchy because I know that your Achilles rolls up like a shade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's no going back. So gross. I'm going to watch Troy when we're done. All right. <laughs> the real Achilles, Brad Pitt. Speaking of Troy, that's a great segue because <laughs> that's the city that my murder came in. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I don't think I know anything about this, do I? I'm so excited. I kept a fun surprise for the end. And my intro is like a hint, kind of. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. So I chose this case because, well, (laughs) I struggled real hard to find a case I actually wanted to do. I went back and forth a million times until I finally just found one that piqued my interest enough in that moment, which is why I don't think I can ever choose cases ahead of time because I'm not going to want to do them when the time comes. Right. I will do some of the ones I found later. I'm sure. Yeah. Like the man in the iron mask. I would love to do that one. It just didn't, I just wasn't interested in that moment. So no, it just doesn't make sense for sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I found this one. It's fascinating. I had never heard of it. And my father grew up in this specific town in upstate New York. And I have family that's still there to this day. So I felt slightly connected. Oh, it's a New York mystery. Mm-hmm. It's For in some Troy, reason, I thought it was, um, oh, oh, I was thinking like it was from, um, Rome or something. Oh, <laughs> No. <laughs> Is this in Troy about the, the Romans? 
the the Greeks, um, Greeks, the Greeks, I think it's the Greeks try to take over the city of Troy and Troy's the one with the horse. Yeah. And the Greeks filled the horse and then they got into the Trojan walls and killed Lucifer, the same horse from the Denver yes. airport <laughs> with the, with the, with the wiener. horse wiener. <laughs> That's exactly the one, but it was full of soldiers. <laughs> oh. Soldiers with sandals and skirts and, you know, the big thing. <laughs> hey, I'm all about it. Whatever they want. <laughs> now I do want to watch Troy. That's oddly, it's not the best movie, but it's no, really but it, good. It, it it's good. good. Yeah. I never watched it. And then my husband was watching it one day. And so, like, I sat down and I, like. It's good. Uh, yeah, I was pretty surprised. Yeah. It's whenever it's on Netflix, friends and I watch it. Yeah. Even if it's just on in the background. So let me set the scene. Troy, New York was home of the Mohican Indian tribe when the Dutch came and took it over in the mid 1700s. This is not related to the story. I just feel like we should acknowledge what the lands were before the Europeans came and fucked their shit up. Yeah. That's all. So it's Mohican land, which I thought was cool. I never knew that. I think there was other like Cherokee and Iroquois up there too, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the city of Troy itself was named after the legendary city of Troy from Homer's The Iliad. Oh, no way. There you go. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that either. I thought that was fascinating. It's also the home of Uncle Sam, but that's after. Well, this like crime. the Patriot? Yeah. Like the We he Want You. a real you. person? I think he's based on a real person. <sighs> it's horrible. Um, yeah. But he's... He, in Troy. So like there's a lot of signs that are around Troy that have him on it. Like that of old course. poster. Yep. Um it's also just fun. I found like fun facts. So yeah. the Troy Sentinel was the first publisher to publish a vi- the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, or as we know it, the night before Christmas in 1823. Uh, and I thought uh, that was cool because that's so old. Seriously, my dad. 200 years ago. That's how old that is. My dad um, grew up there his whole yeah. life. My family still, I still have aunts and uncles and cousins and whatever. They all still live there. And my family came from Europe and basically stayed in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. So my dad, when I was a kid, had a really old book that was the night before Christmas and we would read it every night on it was like the original unoriginal yeah like a really I think it was like the one that his parents read to him when he was little in the 50s Mm -hmm. and my brother I believe has it even though my nephew's like 20 now I think he'll he'll probably give it to me whenever I have kids so that it can like continue but I thought it was cool that we have this this um tradition in our family with reading that to the little kids on Christmas Eve when it was created in the town that my dad grew up in. Right. So we're going to fast forward out of the 1700s and the 1800s and out of, out of the Into Roman, today. the Greeks and the Romans. Actually, I don't know when this took place. Not, not today. today. The 20th century, the early 20th century. Okay. Troy, New York in the early 20th century. It was located on the Eastern bank of the Hudson. Well, it's still there. It's not, it didn't move. It's still <laughs> on the Eastern Bank. Um, it's close to Albany and Schenectady. And Albany is the capital of New York. And I'm only saying that because I feel like people not from that area might think yeah. it's New York City, but it's not. Right. It's Albany. Right. Just like 
Los Angeles is not the capital of California. It's Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> Even Maine, like our big city is not the capital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Troy is home to the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is the oldest engineering and technical university in America. It was founded in 1824. Due to geography and major waterways, it became a hub during the Industrial Revolution, and it was mostly steel, I think is the focus, but I wrote, boom, climate change. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it became the fourth wealthiest city in America repeatedly around 1900, which I never... Oh new and it has various neighborhoods and elaborate victorian architecture although so my mom would not describe it in any of those ways it's kind of a rough it's rough it's not my my cousin might be listening to this but my aunt would always be like the city's fine and we'd be sitting on the back porch and be like i heard gunshots like (laughs) (laughs) and they lived on a street that was like there was a gang on one street and a gang on the other and they lived like in the middle like it was in Troy, New York? In Troy. Is it's, it anywhere close to New York City? It's a couple hours. Two mm. hours? Three hours? It's more upstate. Yeah. It's more close to Western Mass. It's oh, okay. Right there. But I think the reason it got to be that way is like most cities that had a big industrial revolution or part being a big part of the industrial revolution, they, when they fell apart, they like... Fell apart. fell apart so i think that's what happened and i was reading like i think in the last couple of years they're starting to really try to repair and bring back some of its it's hard glory. to do it's hard yeah. to do well and it feels like the air is kind of gross because it's factories and yeah you know it's not the cleanest air to breathe or streets or whatever so we're in troy new york in the early 1900s the height of the industrial revolution it's wealthy at this point We're going to talk about Hazel Irene Drew. There are limited details about her life and a myriad of questions. So what we do know is that Hazel Irene Drew was born on June 3rd, 1888 to John Drew and Julia A. Drew and uh, Nay Taylor. Oh, 1888. 1888. Did I say 19? I don't know. It's probably me. Like, it's probably on me. I... I'm not good with numbers. If I ever say a number that you're like, that's not right, please correct me because I do, my brain does switch them around. 1888. Remember 20th, 20th century is the 1900s. Right. 1800s? No, that's the 19th century. Oh, so we're in the 19th century. No. If it's 1888? Oh, for when she was born. Oh, Sorry. okay. So the, the story crime happens. The crime happens in the nineteen in nineteen oh eight. Why couldn't they have just done that? It would have been so much easier. Yeah, we're in the twenty first century right now, and it's the twenties. So the nineteenth century is the twentieth century, and the eighteen hundreds is the nineteenth century. Yeah. So on and so forth. Woo. She had several siblings. Joseph was two years older than her, and she had younger siblings, Carrie, William, Emma, Emery, and Thomas. But both Emery and Thomas died when they were really, really young, Uh, probably from illness or whatever. Sad. But they both lived like a year or two. So I feel like that's even more sad in a way because they start to be people. Yeah. Sad regardless. They were a hardworking class family that lived in Rensselaer County, New York, which is just... I wrote just outside of Troy, but I never actually found what ta- like what area her family lived in. I only know where she lived. 
Okay. Um, she worked for extremely wealthy families, usually as a domestic servant, but up to her death, she was the governess to the children of Edward Carey and his wife. And Carey was a civil huh. engineer and a professor at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. I love the term governess. <laughs> I think that it's like, so like I, when I was younger, I would watch The Sound of Music and I wanted to be a governess. Oh, I love that. <laughs> You just wanted to go sing on the hills in Austria. That's really you? all I wanted to do because I'm not a big fan of children. <laughs> I'm not either. I love I love the kids that I are in my family, but I don't yeah, have any gonna, interest in any other kids. <laughs> I'm gonna have kids one day, but yeah. and I'm going to love them. But it's, kids in general are dirty and carry disease. <laughs> They're like rats. <laughs> yes. They chew through shit too. <laughs> and lick mirrors and stuff. They're gross. Um, they are gross. Oh, let's see. Um, dee -dee -dee -dee. So typically a governess, oh, I did a little research on governess just because I wanted to fully understand her life, but yeah. I could only find how a governess kind of lives in England. Yeah. Um. Not so much Europe, Europe, uh, America. <laughs> We're in America. <laughs> yeah. So typically a governess will live with their employer um, and they taught and cared for children. They were typically involved with, uh, there was one thing called the three R's, which was reading, arithmetic, and writing, which I was like, writing starts with it. That's the face. And arithmetic made. also doesn't start with an R. So you have one R. Raw is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, that would have made more sense than the three R's. Um, <laughs> and they were also in charge of, like, if you had older, it depended on their age, like, instruments, playing piano or violin or sewing or dancing, or if it was older girls, they would learn French. And their moral upbringing. So, basically, it's 11-11. Make a wish. Mm. Um, they were basically in charge of making sure that the kids would find a suitor and live a good life and be polite and... They were right. parents. They were basically, you were hired to be a parent because the parent wasn't going to do it. The upper class had employed governesses for centuries, but in the early 19th century, wealthy middle-class families began to afford them and be able to hire them. And I couldn't find what she might have been paid. Um, they say somewhat later, but it's not a distinct, I don't know if that's like the norm or whatever, but I do know that governesses are paid reasonably little for all yeah. of that responsibility. And imagine sometimes people have more than one children, right. more than, more one, than child. one child. <laughs> yeah, they could have five children. And you're getting paid, I'll, I mean, I think she gets paid like, later it says $6 is two weeks pay. Dang. Yeah. Um, so Hazel is 20 years old. She was known for her beauty, including her blonde hair and her blue eyes. She was typically a very good-spirited girl. She was very polite. She was very kind. And she had the world at her fingertips, basically. Because we're not in Victorian England. We're in, they were under King Edward at this point. But we're in America. It's a little different. Um, right. She had many gentlemen admirers, but no known boyfriends at the time or any gentlemen callers. And she was quite beloved by her employer's entire family, like, they would have dinner all the time. Like, they really, everyone loved her. And the community of Troy really loved her. I think there was a movie about this. Oh, oh, 
I know that they're making a documentary. I don't know if it ever got made. Okay, continue. I think I know this story, but continue. I'm excited. I like this one. I have a good twist at the my Ooh. nice little surprise at the end because you, Your you uncle might was know the paper boy. <laughs> no, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I do have. I'll get to it. Okay, so <laughs> Hazel's death. We're gonna fast forward. On July 11th, 1908, Hazel's body was found floating face down in Teal Pond in Sandy Lake, New York, which is just a little town outside of Troy. Her body was so bloated from the water that her features were distorted beyond recognition. Mm. She could only be identified by her clothes and by the gold fillings in her teeth. She suffered from blunt force trauma to the back of her head by an unknown weapon, and her death was immediately ruled a a homicide. Mm. Well, yeah. That's not the mystery of it. I mean, we don't know who did it. But she, her, she herself was the mystery. So we're oh. going to talk about leading up to her death. I have somewhat of a timeline. Hopefully I wrote it in the right order. In early May, she went to New York City, apparently alone. She didn't have like a buddy with her or anything or a girlfriend because it wouldn't have been a man. It would have been a girl. Because um, she was a lesbian? No. Just because <laughs> back then in 1908, if you were a girl and you went off alone with a boy, that was unless you were engaged or whatever, that's like scandalous. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Modern day, totally fine. But yeah, then no. She returned to New York City with her good friend Carrie Weaver by boat on May 30th. So t- she typically took the train. Mm-hmm. Carrie's employer, I think they never said that Carrie was another governess, but I think she was because they kept talking about her employer like she lived there. So I think she was a governess also. Carrie's employer made reservations for them to stay at the W. Nope. Well, am I dyslexic with letters now? Y-W-C-A, which was affordable. Yeah. However, the girls planned to board at the Margaret Louise house, which was an establishment for working women. Mm. And this time her purse was stolen, which had $6 in it, which is almost two weeks worth of pay. Yeah. So that's why I kind of know how much she made. But I don't know, like, how what was $6... How, what $6 would get you back then? It does sound right. like a little, but everything was, you know, a train to New York could have been a dollar. Like right. it didn't, yeah. On June 1st, so that was in May, or she went with Carrie to New York May 30th. So this is that same weekend. On June 1st, Hazel and Carrie return and she declares that she's going to Lake George for the 4th of July. Lake George is about an hour north of Troy. Well, I Google mapped it. So that's by car today. She typically would have taken the train because it was up in the mountains. And a couple weeks go by, June 26th, she mentioned her lake trip to her friend Carrie again. But it wasn't inviting Carrie. She was just informing her that, Uh hey, I'm going. (laughs) I'm going to the lake. Shade on Carrie. (laughs) Carrie sounded like she was a very good friend. I don't know, whatever. On Friday, July 3rd, Hazel went to speak to her local dressmaker, Mrs. Shoemaker, at 11 p.m. Remember how we talked about people that had jobs? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, her... she's got the wrong last name. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> also, it's 11 p.m. So she begged her to make her a new shirt waist um, out of this fabric that she brought with her. Hazel wasn't a stranger, but this is last minute at 11 o'clock at night yeah, to make a skirt Hazel. the day before the 4th of July. Come on, Hazel. Get your shit together. <laughs> She doesn't. Anyway, maybe she does. This is the mystery. Anyway, Mrs. Shoemaker had even recently made her a skirt, but Hazel had the money owed and the extra money for the shirt waist on her and the fabric needed to make it. So Mrs. Shoemaker obliged because you're just about to get a bunch of money that is owed to you. Yeah. 
July 4th, Hazel doesn't go to Lake George. She stays in Troy and Schenectady with her aunt, Minnie Taylor. So I'm assuming that's her mom's sister. Yeah. I had to look this up because, again, my family grew up there and I had like a great aunt, Minnie, but it's not her. Uh It's not her. There is another name too that I had to look up and I was like, I think there's a Frank in my family and it's not him either. Dang. So, safe. Her aunt explained, but I was super excited. I was like, I, there's a mini in my family somewhere, but her last yeah. name was not Taylor. Or, Bummer. Yeah. Her aunt explained that Hazel remained in Schenectady with her, but she did ask to go to Lake George, but Aunt Minnie didn't want to do want didn't want to because the trains were going to be really crowded it was a holiday and it's hot and it's humid over there yeah uh, it was also said that hazel told several several it is also said that hazel told several friends that carrie weaver was accompanying her to lake george okay so wasn't ask inviting her she just informed her that she was going interesting that's alleged so Carrie was confused, and she was spreading a rumor that she was going. Maybe. Hang on, I'm going to solve this as we go through it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's it's said that Hazel told several friends, not Carrie. Uh, okay. So Hazel was telling people, Carrie's coming with me to Lake George for 4th of July, when in reality she was telling Carrie that she was going to Lake George, but didn't say with who. Mm-hmm. On July 6th, 1908, so this is just... Um, a few days before her body was found. Hazel had just returned from a festive 4th of July weekend with her aunt in Schenectady. How festive. Hazel's employer, Mrs. Carey, asked her to do the laundry, which isn't typically the governess's duty. That's something that a servant would do. Mm -hmm. And without notice, Hazel quit right there on the spot. She packed her things and moved out of the house that same morning. And by all accounts, she was in a good mood, which made her sudden resignation strange and uncharacteristic. And it's only 10 a.m. on July 6th. Hmm. She told her aunt that she was going to visit friends, but she didn't. She, where am I? I got lost. She had $4.50, which was the salary that Mrs. Carey owed her. And then she borrowed $2 from her mother. So she had that on her person. She was spotted briefly at Troy's Union Station by her friend Mary Robinson between 1120 and 1130, which is only an hour and a half after she left her employer's house. Hazel even made a vague reference to meeting someone, but gave no other information. She had her suitcase and Mary was like, she seemed like she was waiting for somebody to show up. Mm. So Miss Robinson pressed her for information um, because I think they just ran into each other. And I think Hazel was like, where are you going? And Mary told her. And then when she asked, she kind of evaded the question. So she was like, where are you going? And Hazel said, oh, down the river. And Ms. Robinson thought she was avoiding the question. So she was a good friend and kept pressing. And she said, Hazel said, perhaps as far as New York. But just then the train was called. She went to the ticket stand, bought a ticket and went on the platform. For the train to? Albany. Albany. Okay. At that time, the only running train is the Albany local, which Albany is... It's the next city over, but it's like right there. It's really not far. No one truly knows where she went or why. It was later found out that her suitcase was packed with undergarments, a toothbrush, a nightgown, a comb, a Japanese kimono, 
and a handbag, which had a heart-shaped locket, a handkerchief, and a personal from a Troy newspaper from October 7th, 1907, that said Edward, I don't know how to say his last name, Lavoy, okay. has departed for Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he will remain all winter. Do we know who that guy is? Nope, not a clue. Uh, she wasn't seen again until 1.15 that afternoon, but without her suitcase. So this is 11.30. She was spotted. Yeah. She was gone. She didn't have her suitcase. After being spotted at 1.15 p.m. on July 6th, she was not seen again until July 7th. No one knows where she spent the night on July 6th. Oh. She was spotted twice in Troy on Tuesday, July 7th, between 12 p.m. and 1.49 p.m. One of these times is when she was spotted at the Troy Union Station for a third time, but this is when she checked her suitcase in the station. So she put it in like a, so I don't know where her suitcase was the second time, but she had it again and she put it in like a, like a storage, you know, how they locker or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they were back then, but right. There was a potential sighting of Hazel on the trolley to Avril Park, which is about 15 minutes, like a 15 minute walk from, um, oh, I looked it up from where her body was found, but there you go. Uh, by an old man named Peter Kipperly. He's a farmer who resides at Snyder's Lake and says that he boarded the Avril Park car around 3 p.m. on July 7th. A young woman and a youth, about 19 to 20, although that's how they wrote it, so I don't know if he's referring to the woman or the youth. Right. They caught his eye. They were sitting ahead of him, so he didn't get a good view of the woman's face. But once her face was all over the newspapers, he thought it was her. So we're talking about eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, he said the young man was tall, slim, and had an intelligent face. He was attentive to the woman, and Kipperly said he never took his eyes off of her. Mr. Kipperly didn't say how she was dressed, but when he was shown Hazel's hat, because she had a very distinct hat um, the day she disappeared, he remembered she had a similar one in her lap. But if you see her lap, how do you not see her face is my question. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're sitting behind her, kind of catty corner... Oh, yeah, like you could see, like, the brim of it her or lap. whatever. On yeah. Her yeah. So maybe, or, like, maybe she had it on her bag in a certain way that was on her back. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Are you saying she had a backpack? Maybe. In I mean, 19, I would. In 1908. <laughs> <laughs> a, well, a well-dressed woman in 1908 had a backpack. <laughs> had a jam sport on. <laughs> she had that thing her whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Those things last forever. They do. Um, but no one corroborated his story of Hazel and the young man wandering around Avril Park that afternoon. Mm. So, again, eyewitness testimonies. Yeah. Whatever. The same day, she was spotted twice on Taberton Road in Sand Lake between 7 and 7.30, walking in the direction of her Uncle William Taylor's farm. What happened? <laughs> Just the traffic outside. No. It's okay. Okay, so her uncle's park... No. Let me start over. <laughs> if you want to solve this today, you need to pay attention because there's a lot of information. Uh, that same day, she was spotted twice on Taberton Road in San Lee. Walking to her husband's farm. Uncle's <laughs> Shush! 7 and 7.30, walking in the direction of her uncle William Taylor's farm. Okay. Her friend Carrie said later, so Carrie wasn't from Troy originally. She's from elsewhere, and 
has only lived there for a few months. So she knows that she doesn't know the lay of the land at all. But her friend said that she never knew why Hazel was out there, but she was unfamiliar with Troy and she didn't even know Hazel had an uncle that lived there. She never talked with her about any of her family. Okay. So her family was not a topic of conversation. Like Between ever. two close friends. Mm-hmm. So that's like, okay. That's strange. Interesting, yeah. Except for her aunt, obviously, if she's spending time with her aunt, maybe. I don't know. July 7th, 1908 was a 90 degree day. And it was the third 90 degree day in a row. So it's hot. It's hot out. Yeah. This is also nighttime. This is seven o'clock. So the sun was probably just going down. Yeah, seven o'clock. Uh-huh. In the middle of summer. Yeah. Um, Hazel was seen walking to a remote section of Taberton Road. Sorry, not to a remote section, a remote section of Taberton Road. Mm-hmm. The stretch of road she was walking along by Teal's Pond was popular with squirrel hunters, campers, and fishermen. So it's strange that a young woman should be walking alone. And I wrote, not strange if you just raise your sons right, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple driving by saw Hazel picking raspberries at 7 p.m., on the side of the street. She commented to her husband that it was quite late for a pretty girl to be walking out alone, but they just kept driving because they're dumb. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) That's not safe. Let's just leave her there. (laughs) Leave her there. Around 7.30, she was apparently walking and like her hat was swaying in her hand. So she was very comfortable walking on this street. She encountered frank smith who is 17 that's the one i had to look up to make sure it wasn't because my family's last name is smith and i knew there was a frank in there somewhere but it's not my family because mine was born he would have been way older yeah um a supposedly dim-witted farmhand who is rumored to have fancied her and rudolph gundrum who is 35 rudolph was a charcoal peddler and was giving frank a ride so hazel was wearing gloves a black straw trim, a black trimmed straw hat, decorated with three large plumes and a monogrammed pin of the letter H. She also had layered skirts and Victorian boots. Remember, this was a ninety degree day. That's a lot. Yeah. Um. They exchanged hellos and the men moved on. Supposedly, Frank turned to Rudolph to tell him that that was Old Man Drew's eldest daughter. Because if he liked her, then that makes sense. She wasn't seen again until July 11th, floating face down in Teal Pond, not far from where she was last seen walking towards her uncle's house. Wow. So questions we have about her life. Traveling in the months before her death, she frequently made trips to Albany, New York City, Boston, and Providence, Rhode Island, which Providence, Rhode Island is not close. No. Boston from Troy. Probably only a couple of hours, huh? I think it's four. Because you have to drive the length of Massachusetts. Right. And I did do that drive from school when my grandfather was dying. Uh, Providence is a little further than Boston. It might be four hours from Providence because my school was actually really close to Providence. So maybe four and a half hours from there and like three and a half hours from Boston. Probably. Mm -hmm. She wore tailor-made clothing and was dressed beyond her means. If $6 was two weeks pay, how could she suddenly afford all of these trips and fancy clothes? True. Her friend Carrie did say she could, she could make a dollar go further than she's ever seen anyone else do it. So she probably flirted her way into getting free stuff. If she's pretty. Yeah. Um, and she is really pretty. I didn't save any pictures, but you'll see them when we, when I send them to you there, she was really pretty. 
The other question was, why is she running around giving her family and friends false leads that don't Yeah, up? she was like all over the place mm-hmm. and spreading a lot of different stories. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about some of the men in her life and then yeah, some, of the, some of the suspects. Okay. So, first reported that Hazel had no known sweetheart. Even Carrie Weaver's employer admitted that no young men ever called on the girls. Okay. They were very, very, they were very close. Yeah. Um, on July 15th, the Troy Record reported that Hazel was engaged with a real estate dealer and insurance man. Okay. This, this is after her death? This newspaper reported it? Yes. Okay. So they're lying. Okay. They don't know what Like 10 days. About. But her, I'm just going to keep going because I don't know any more information beyond that. But she did have a previous engagement that her father eventually admitted to. But I don't okay. know if it's, they never said if he was a real estate dealer, an insurance man. So I don't know if that's the same thing. Or like what happened to him. Right. Oh, we know what happened to him, but I just don't. Like, I don't know if that engagement is the one that they're talking about or if this is a separate, excuse me, a separate one. I see. They also reported that a wealthy businessman by the name of Henry Cramroth, his glasses were found near Teal Pond, and it is said that he owned a camp in Sand Lake where neighbors reported orgies and women being held against their will. <laughs> okay, rewind real quick. Yes. Teal Pond is where she was found. Yes. So his glasses were found there in, in a close time period or the I same think, day? I think, I didn't see, I didn't pay to like read the newspapers. Yeah, no, never do. This website was literally just breaking down what all the newspapers said, but they're okay. the ones making the documentary. So I got okay. this information from the people that are doing okay. real I'm research. forming things in my head that okay. we'll talk about later, but okay. go ahead. You okay. good? Yeah. Okay. Um, one newspaper, newspaper? Newspaper. <laughs> one newspaper even described a woman only dressed in a rubber overcoat. <laughs> Neighbors okay. reported that they could hear screams emanating from his, the camp near the time of the murder from okay. his camp. Cramroth defended himself against these allegations, including of that course. women were being held against their will. But that's, is that all you're going to push? I don't, right. this guy should go search his house. Some of the other obvious suspects was Frank Smith, the 17 year old right. farm hands that had a crush yeah. on her. The man he was driving with, um, Rudolph Gundrum, mm-hmm. her uncle. Okay. Yeah. Another suspect. Another thought I had. Okay. Continue. Mm-hmm. Supposedly there was a train conductor that she was secretly seeing. Okay. But that's all I could find about it. That would explain a lot of the travel though. Like Mm -hmm. he would let her on. Yeah. But I don't, I, that's all I found about it. So I know nothing else. Um, Okay. We're going to talk really quick about Michael Sawalski. Mike 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 Sawalski. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Wazowski. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He was a one-eyed green monster. Yeah. Willie Drew, so Hazel's younger brother, became a potential witness to the murder. He was staying at the Swalski farm only two miles from Teal Pond. Detectives became convinced that Hazel was bound for the Swalski home instead of her uncle's to see her brother that night. Willie Drew spent part of the summer at their uncle William Taylor's home but left because they weren't getting along. So he ended up staying at the Swalski's. And it is said that Hazel was truly devoted to her brother more than any other family members. And it is believed that she was on the way to Swalski so that she could say goodbye to him. Like if she was going to run away. Right. Because she had just quit her job. He, mm-hmm. She was probably going to be like, listen, bro, I just I'm quit. Out. I'm out. <laughs> and he said like, 
she never would leave without saying goodbye. No. Yeah. And um, I get that. Detectives asked Willie about Mrs. Sawalski's son, Michael, who Willie described as big and naughty. Was that in his yearbook? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most likely to be big and naughty. So Michael was 20, a little lacking in the intelligence department. And he would commonly torture the animals on the farm, which if we know anything about serial killers is that they usually start with animals. Yeah. However, it is said that he wasn't off the farm that night and he was there the whole time. Um, another source states that it was learned that Sawalski's, Sawalski met Frank Smith, the 17-year-old, and had a talk with him that evening, but no one knows if it was before or after Frank saw Hazel walking along the road. Okay. He, claimed to not even know that she was murdered until Monday morning when Willie was heading to Troy to help figure out who murdered her. Hmm. Another suspect was a dentist. Hang on. Yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. How far is Sawalski's farm from her uncle's farm? I don't know. But are they in the same town? Yeah. So seeing her walking towards her uncle's could have been possibly walking to Sawalski's instead. I think that's what they're speculating. Implying. Okay. Because it makes okay. more it makes more sense for her to go see her brother, brother. who she loves than right. this and her uncle. uncle. And her uncle was said to be like suicidal and um melancholy. Oh, yeah. So um, the next suspect is a dentist. A witness stated that a Troy dentist had proposed to Hazel. Hazel's employer stated that several months ago, Hazel said that she had a dentist appointment to have some work done at night, which the employer declared that the, it, she would allow no such thing, um, and she heard nothing of it again. They eventually found the dentist, Dr. Edward Knopf, K-N-A-U-F-F, Knopf, yeah. Knopf. Mm-hmm. A dentist with a good reputation who was already married said he had done some work for Hazel several months ago. She called his office with another girl to see if he would do some work for her during the evening, but he refused and he didn't see her again. So did he propose to her? Is it? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. There's also the young, this said dark complexioned youth on the trolley, which the old man didn't say that. So I don't know why it says that. Um, but they're talking about the kid that was on the trolley supposedly with her, if that was her, uh, and William Taylor, the melancholy and suicidal uncle that helped, he actually helped pull her body from the pond. Oh my God. That probably just made everything worse for him. I know. Um, and Sawalski, we're almost there. CES during her frequent trips, Hazel was found to be corresponding with a man known only as CES but he wrote extremely affectionate letters to her. There was a total of six letters from him sent from two of the cities that Hazel had recently visited, NYC and Boston. And one of them said, your merry smile and twinkling eyes torture me. Your face haunts me. Why can't I be contented again? You've stolen my liberty. Please don't forget to promise to write. When I reach Albany again, I will meet you at the tavern. I must see you soon or I'll die of starvation. Which, needy, stop doing that. Yeah. Um, especially if like she's not returning the <laughs> affections, I don't know. Yeah, and it kind of like to me that it sounds a bit desperate, and it sounds like this person is not very stable. But back then, I feel like that's also how they kind of all were. Like mm. whenever you read like old romantic letters or whatever from that time, it they're yeah. kind of all like that. 
Um, and then I wrote Edward Lavoy because why does she have his personal in her handbag? Yeah. From October. Not that it had any information on it at all. Um, and her potential ex-fiance. So I don't know if this is the same one that the newspaper reported or not. Her father admitted that she had a love affair a year before the murder. So 1906 to 1907 where she was engaged to a man, but she became ill and he stopped calling on her and married another woman. Oh, wow. Which rude. Yep. (laughs) So final thoughts, which please feel free to chime in for any of these. Yeah, I'm ready. Aunt Minnie is said to be withholding information and warned her friends to remain tight lipped. Aunt Minnie is uncle. How is she related to uncle depressed uncle? I don't know. Maybe they're, brother and sister because they don't live together right and the her so hazel's mom's maiden name is taylor so i would assume it's like her mom's sister and brother yeah is my guess her older brother joseph suggested that she was very pretty and had many admirers but he was inclined to think that she preferred girls to <gasps> which would explain a lot mm-hmm. that's what my thought was a gentleman okay. jack kind of story but like not at all yeah one story that some sand lake grandparents would tell their young kids years later as a i think as a way to scare them or whatever was that there were three local businessmen including a lawyer and an undertaker that were involved in her murder and it was thought that one of them got her pregnant so they had to get rid of her okay all right that's not like a solid thing it's just there's like nothing old there. wives and tales i think that even back then in that if they did an autopsy they would have said like she was pregnant at the time yeah yeah which they did because they had to because they ruled it homicide okay continue supposedly her gloves Mm -hmm. had been folded neatly and placed 20 feet from the shore alongside her straw hat and monogrammed pin what was this her so when her body was found they found her gloves folded neatly placed 20 feet from the shore and it was right next to her straw hat and monogrammed pin Mm -hmm. so it's almost like she took them off maybe i don't know And like carefully folded everything Mm -hmm. before she got in the river or the lake and somebody bashed her head in and she fell face down and that's where they found her. Yeah. Last, last, last thought. And then I want to hear all your theories. Hazel's family is supposedly suspicious of who the murderer is because it's rumored that they have been telling other people, but the person under suspicion is a near relative they cannot account for his actions during the entire mystery. But they never communicated these suspicions to the DA, so it was never investigated because they never, it was just a rumor. Okay, first thought, the dentist. Dentists are creepy, especially back then. And now. No, they're not. No, not. Well, I'm. Some are. (laughs) One of my biggest fears is the dentist. So So you're not good with those, like, murder stories that are like, this dentist in his basement. Yeah, I'm like. Without everyone's teeth. Yeah. So the dentist, you know, I could see it being the dentist. Like maybe he did something just, you know, um, Elizabeth Short style. Yeah. Or the rumors that around like the Elizabeth Short style where he gasses them and then takes advantage of their bodies. And then so maybe she figured out that he was doing that or something. Yeah. Number two, her uncle. Her uncle was sad um, and... uh, all of the family suspicion and everything, I could see it being the uncle in love with her. And she's turning him down and saying no. And that's who CES is. And maybe CES stands for something like a phrase and maybe not a person. 
Right. You know, like maybe it's something about being how the relationship is wrong or something along those lines, but he still loves her. And that's how he signs, like, I don't know what, but right. he's saying something to her by signing it CES. Like, like it's a, a sign off. Right. Yeah. Um, but what he, but so some of those letters were mailed from Boston and New York City. Right. I, I mean, we don't know much about the uncle. We don't know what he did for a living. Right. Uh, we know that I he had a farm. A, yeah. But we don't know if he maybe had other people running that farm and maybe he was going to Boston and wherever else right. selling produce or something. You know, we don't know what he was yeah. doing. So that's that's one of my thoughts. Um, another thought would be that it that she's in a, in a relationship with her friend. That was my thought, too. Because there's a lot of, like, confusion. I mean, she's telling people she's going with the friend. The friend is saying no and stuff like that. So I could see the friend doing something, like... She's being pushy or whatever. Like, Hazel wants to expose them or come out or something, you know? Yeah. Or Or maybe she's not a lesbian, so... Yeah. Hazel being pushy is her just being nervous. Or she she isn't, she's ready to get married or something. Or she was like seeing somebody and her she knew that her family wanted her it was like pressuring her to get married. Yeah. She's planning on getting married or, you know, starting a different relationship and she's trying to break it off. But Hazel's saying, No, no, no. Yeah. You know, because Hazel's gone so long without having a guy in her life and blah 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 blah. And you know, back then pretty right. Yeah. It's odd. So if if Carrie was the lover, where would all the money come from? And the trips and the well, clothes? We don't know anything about Carrie. That's true. Do we know that, what her job was? I think she was a governess. Because a lot of the stuff that was said about her was said by her employers. It wasn't said by her from herself. And it was good things, right? So maybe yeah. her employer... She was secretly seeing one of the employer's husbands. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could all be a twisted story. Yeah. Like, what if she's seeing her her guy or whatever getting money yeah. from him? She's also dating Hazel, who's her true love. But her family is pressuring her to, like, get married to somebody else that's out. That's definitely not the husband and definitely right. not Hazel. So there's a third party involved. So maybe, like... You know? Yeah. And then I had one more theory, but I have to remember it because it was like There's while so you were much. talking, the guy whose glasses were found. Oh, the orgy man? <laughs> orgy man. And his glasses were found by the river. I mean, yeah. I could definitely see it being him too, to where he maybe got her pregnant or maybe like. Maybe that's what the dentist did. Maybe the dentist did undercover abortions. Yeah. And that's why she wanted to see him at night. And that's why he did not. They both. Well, remember, she also went to her freaking so seamstress uh, in the middle of the night. So she was really (laughs) late on everything. She was like a late night person. She was a night owl. That's when she got her things done. And ever. And she just. Well, because if you work, if you work all day. Right. Because you're with children. That's the only time you have to focus on yourself. Yeah. But in doing so, she didn't realize like she's being a little upfront with these people and it's so late and people are like, I'm tired, girl, go away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I could see him doing that too. Yeah. I feel like it could be any of these people or it could be none of them. Because orgy guy would also explain the money too. Right. I feel like they could have dug more into every single one of these people. 
Yeah. I mean, I know that it's 1908. They're not going to have forensics or anything and, like that. And it's Troy. I mean, it wasn't like. Yeah. It's a, it's considered a smaller city. Yeah. Because it is geographically, it's pretty small. So one last fun, my fun secret tidbit. Uh, yeah, ready. I'm ready. Frank was actually your uncle. Frank was my <laughs> uncle? No, he wasn't. He really wasn't. Um, does this story sound familiar? Does this list yeah, of Yeah, it sounds strange... like Elizabeth Short. No, wait for it. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> does this list of strange characters and this sweet, beautiful girl full of secrets ring a bell? Well, it should. Anyone who remembers the great show about a beautiful, seemingly innocent girl with a not-so-innocent secrets is murdered in a small town when you have seen a beautiful young Majin Amick and the great Agent Cooper with all of his coffee and jelly donuts in Twin Peaks. Um, the murder that inspired Twin Peaks. I never watched Twin Peaks. I understand. It's slow as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> But everyone knows that picture of like Laura Palmer. It was, I think like the writers like slept, not slept. That was like where his grandparents were. That's so insane they, that this is not that well known, but this is what inspired such a big TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. And I had never heard of it. And I've watched, I did sit through Twin Peaks. It was hard. <laughs> it's this so isn't slow. The one that I thought it was. There was another one about a governess who was murdered inside of her employer's home and they were like could it have been the i think it was the mailman or the milkman or was it the guy oh i don't know that one it's i'll have to figure out who it was but it was an interesting case but anyway it's unsolved we should do another governess one since you love governesses so much that was like my dream (laughs) occupation when i was like three I want to be a governess, mom. <laughs> I just wanted those dresses. Like, yep. I really just wanted to wear that with outfits and swing around. Um, and that was when they knew you were dancing. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's when your mom figured it out, too. <laughs> <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah. So maybe one day this murder will be solved. Maybe a family secret will emerge. Like, oh, let me tell you about this secret that my mom passed down to whatever, you know. And yeah. maybe these strange characters will be figured out because it is a bunch of strange. I don't know. It's a really old case. Yeah. And there's no forensics from it. And the most and of the people is gone or dead. Yeah. Might be unsolved forever. Yeah. I just thought it was fun because the main mystery was her life, not necessarily like, yeah, who done it, but like but it was she also had like, all these secrets. She did. And yeah. she wasn't upfront with everyone about everything. Yeah. She's telling half people one thing, which also just shows that yeah, she was hiding a secret. Mm-hmm. And like what the secret could have been is A that she was a lesbian, mm-hmm. B that she was in a relationship with her uncle. Or see, like, something else that no one really knows. Yeah. Or just had a secret lover in a different city. My thing is, like, I think that he pressured her. Whoever he is pressured her to keep it quiet. Yeah. Maybe he was married. Right. Which is, you know, you know. Scandal. Mm Mm-hmm. Scandalous. So... If you or someone in your family has any information, or if you'd like to share your own theories, please feel free. 
peas and carrots, please feel free to email us at mrreticle at gmail.com. Follow us at mrreticle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers. And don't trust your government. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) If you're like, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious.